Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Not Another Anxiety Show. I'm your host, Kelly Walker, and joining me today is my co-host from coachingfromabroad.com, Erica Latham, TGIF. Hello. Listen, you do this to me every time we hit record, where literally as you're saying, I'm hitting record, and then you say something wildly funny, which is my job. How rude. And then I have to put the microphone away from my face, like five feet, eight inches, so you can't hear me laugh. Happy Friday. Happy Friday the 13th. And I have something to say about that. Oh, what Thank is you it? You're asking. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, we just said this before we hit record. It is Friday the 13th for us. This, you know, we're releasing this on Monday, but it's all a myth. And superstitions are hysterical to me. We all have them. We're all anxious. And I think people get really weird about it. I had clients tell me that they didn't want to meet with me today because it was Friday the 13th. So I did a cursory Google search, which is the best way to get all of your reliable information. Wikipedia, right? Wikipedia. And it turns out, now write in if you have other information, but it turns out that this either comes from the Loki myth, not like the Tom Hiddleston Loki, but like the actual myth, or the Christians. We ruin everything because... Judas was the 13th disciple. He was the first one to leave a party or something. I don't know. It's a whole thing. The first thing. one to leave. To leave like, an Irish party. goodbye. It's good. I mean, is that He Irish goodbye. And the then he was like, oh, sorry about this, but like, we're going to arrest you, Jesus. Um, and then in other cultures, there are other numbers that are unlucky. So it's just really in this Western culture that we find the 13th. Friday the 13th. Friday okay. the 13th. And the number 13. So like on airplanes... There typically isn't a thirteenth row, even though if you count them, there are 13 there are thirteen, rows. but there's no visible there's, number. And on 13. yeah, on, on in high rise buildings, usually they don't have a thirteenth floor listed. It's that deeply ingrained, but it's not really based on any like uh, what do you call that? Like a preponderance of evidence. There's no like you know these things happened on this day kind of thing, and that I just is- find that. Any more unlucky. It's so funny because as you were saying that, I, I'm like, oh, I don't I don't care about Friday the 13th. I don't feel. But I do have like my own superstitions. Like when I was sick the other week and you're like, hey, are you feeling better? I'm like, I don't even want to say I'm feeling better yet because one, I've been sick so much. And two, I don't want to jinx it. Right. Like that was my version of a yeah. superstition. And it's just um, I think there's sometimes things that kind of operate, you know, in the background or under our conscious awareness. But uh, this was interesting when you shared it with me before we recorded. Because I'm like, oh, I do have my own. While it's not Friday the 13th, um, I do have my own superstitions too. But isn't, I mean, this could be its own episode. I'm sorry that we got so into this. But so in other cultures, like the number four, it seems is uh, an air quote superstitious number in Asian cultures, some Asian cultures, 17 in other cultures, you know. But isn't it funny how it's all perspective? All perspective. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm like, I feel like it has to be like an odd 
prime number to be unlucky, but that's probably just my previous conditioning from <laughs> like the 13th, right? Like I need you to wear glasses just so you can push them up your nose when you say something like that. Because yeah, what, just, what the hell do I know about prime numbers? I was a political <laughs> science major. I don't know these things. Listen, I think 13 is a prime number. Don't quote me guys. Um, but <laughs> so, here sure. so here we are. So here we are. Happy so here happy we are. 13. Happy Friday. Um, our episode has nothing to do with that, but it was a really fun fact. So thank you for sharing. Um, you might think it does have something to do with that, but no. <laughs> I'm sorry for who I am as a person. <laughs> I love, uh, so what love, are we talking about today, Kelly Walker, podcast fame? Well, today I really wanted to share an insight from a client that resonated <gasps> with me so much. I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to share it with others that I felt like might find it as valuable as I did. So it's Dude, like, it on it. I mean, it's like a cross between, we could call this anxiety tidbits, maybe. I feel like we have a new mini segment coming in addition <laughs> to anxiety bites. Anxiety tidbits, is there a play on words we can do there? I don't know. Do Send you want to fight about it for a year yeah. and we'll <laughs> argue about the way it's spelled? And, yeah. <laughs> We'll be fighting about that until we're like 95. Oh, it's B-Y-T, yes. Um. <laughs> For those that aren't, are those welcome if you're new to the show. Uh, <laughs> we do Anxiety Bites, which I thought should have been B-I-T-E-S, like you're taking a bite out of anxiety. Or did I think it was Y? Now I can't remember. No, you thought it was and I. I. And you wanted it to be B-Y-T-E-S. I got my computer way. Computer stuff. And you got your way because you own the show. So, <laughs> I mean, your name is literally on the show. I was uh, like, I'm going authoritative style. It's B Y T E S. We took a poll. We took a poll. I won by default. I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, I'm keeping the lights on here. We're doing bites. But it's because we wanted to share little, you know, like uh, five to 10 minute questions where you answer, you know, some of the pressing questions. And we're doing an offshoot of that today. Yeah. And I love this. Tidbits. I th- I mean, I feel tidbits. like tidbits to, yeah. to be determined, but I think tidbits. But um, so, you know, my client and I, we were talking about how it's so easy to abandon ourselves or turn on ourselves when anxi- like when anxiety shows up. Mm. Um, and, you know, we abandon ourselves through shaming, judging, and just being impatient with our experience. And in all honesty, like, if another person spoke to me the way I sometimes speak to myself when I'm struggling emotionally, whether it's anxiety or just, you know, self-doubt or frustration or whatever, um, if someone else spoke to me the way that I sometimes speak to myself and abandon myself, we would not be friends. Like mm. we would, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we all kind of know this to some extent, right? Like how sometimes we can be our own um worst enemy, especially when we're, especially when we're struggling, when we need like care and compassion the most. Um, But, you know, this client added sort of like, like a new perspective or a little caveat. They, they shared how um, monitoring and being hyper vigilant about anxiety sensations and symptoms is another way that we abandon ourselves. Ooh, Kelly. And that just like when she said it, it was like, you know, someone just slapped me in the face. I was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Really. Wow. I never. And I don't know about you, but like, I think part of the reason I never thought about it that way is because the hypervigilance that can come with uncomfortable or scary anxiety sensations, like the monitoring and the hypervigilance, the constantly checking in, 
to me, sort of, I just assumed I was extra hardcore caring for myself, right? Like yeah. I'm on this a thousand percent. Like I'm, I am caring to the max. And I don't know about you, but that's like the guys that hypervigilance hit behind. Like, oh, you're, this is caring. That's just, I mean, it's another mask that anxiety takes, right? It's the, yeah. it's the worrying. It's the uh, planning to the point of, paralyzation it's yeah yeah, and that is not taking care of ourselves in the way we need yeah that's beautiful I know and you know they they shared the example that I think um I think you will get and I think so many others will get that are tuning in about how when someone says to you hey you look pretty pale are you okay oh Oh my god there's no faster way to kick on my fight or flight response right like you know like and when we're being hypervigilant, that's what we're innocently doing to ourselves, except like a thousand times a day. And we don't see it as being that anxious voice because it seems helpful. Right. And it's internal, right? When someone else says it externally, I feel like we have some distance to say, what the yeah. hell? That's not helpful. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. 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 And, um, so, I mean, I don't know. I I know what yours sounds like because you tell me, and I think it's hard for us to see it in ourselves. How do you catch it? Yeah, you know, I think so. Like, as you know, um, I have been nonstop sick since my kids started kindergarten. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even kidding. I've been on three different antibiotics for three different ailments over the last two months. And I don't think I've taken antibiotics maybe once in the last 10 years. Yeah. But you know, all this sickness has the potential to trigger anxiety for me. And it has at times recently because my resilience is down between feeling crappy and tired myself and taking care of my kids that feel crappy and tired. Mm -hmm. um, It's made it easier to fall into some of these old anxious habits, like being hypervigilant and monitoring my physical symptoms um, to be... I mean, I am like intimately familiar with my tonsils now because that's how much I've checked the back of my throat. All right. I don't know if you guys are best friends with your tonsils or, you know, know the various grooves and details the way I do, but I now do. Um, But what this client shared, like it really made me see things in a new way. Like when my kids are sick. I don't monitor them by asking how they are. Is their throat feeling better? Does their stomach hurt, et cetera, a thousand times a day? Because when I do, they start to get nervous and insecure or, uh, I don't know, maybe worse, they get really mad at me and frustrated. (laughs) So, you know, this is my example of a very small two sample study that like, it just doesn't work to be (laughs) hypervigilant. It's peer reviewed, guys. Keep an eye out. I'm the peer. Yeah, you're the peer. Yeah. Journal of Erica coming out this month, (laughs) writing the abstract now. Oh, goodness. That's so true, though. And aren't we just like big toddlers, honestly? I mean, especially when I don't get enough sleep. I know. Tall child, just a tall, big child. Um, (laughs) But you know what does work? Again, from my research upcoming in the Journal of Erica (laughs) next month. um, Instead, when I kind of show them that like grounded, confident, 
loving care, like snuggling them, or I just make sure their water bottles filled, or I get them cozy on the couch to watch TV, give them the medicine when they need it. And I check with them one or two times a day, right? It's a good habit to teach kids to like, hey, what's your body saying, right? Like one or two times a day is plenty. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, again, not necessarily a peer-reviewed study, but what is more comforting, right? An anxious helicopter mom nervously asking, how are you? How are you? How are you? Or like a grounded, easeful, comforting mom that exudes that sense of like, hey, you're okay. I'm here through her body language and tone of voice, right? I mean, it, and it can be hard if we didn't have that Ex- mom. Okay, Eric. Well, okay. We're getting well, okay. to it, Kelly Walker. Well, okay. I'm so glad you said that because- Thank you so much. I'm just led me right in. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm working on being the latter for my kids and for myself, but mm. oh my God, it's a process and it's a challenging yeah. one because for the last 20 years- I've overcorrected with reacting to being sick with hypervigilance because I've had so many experiences of not being listened to when I was sick as a kid, a teenager, even an adult by, by trusted people, right? Parents, Mm -hmm. healthcare providers, um, when something was legitimately wrong that, that needed treatment and needed attention. So, you know, I'm trying to be kind and patient with myself as I learn this new way of caring for myself when I'm sick, right? I mean, it's it's difficult because it's like, it's releasing that white knuckle grip just a little, which is hard when you've had your, when you've had your fists like white knuckled gripped for 20 years, it can be uncomfortable as good as it is for us, especially in the long run to start loosening it. So what does that look like practically speaking for you? Yeah, so for me, like it's it's a little bit of cognitive work and it's a little bit of like, um, somatic or body work, like showing myself and, and sometimes reminding myself. So, and I I don't want to say like, I, I want to say reaffirm, like reaffirm something that's already true. So like for me reaffirming that, like, Hey, I'm not alone. Like if I'm having trouble finding my voice or advocating for myself, I have people in my life that can help me support me um, advocate with me. I purposely have established care with a provider that I trust and listens mm-hmm. to me. Like I lean into, I should say I lean into those resources. I remind myself of my resources that I have strategically created for myself, my people, my trusted healthcare provider. Um, right. I'll give you a call, Erica, like connecting with others. I am um, your trusted healthcare provider. Yeah. I'm a trusted healthcare provider. Um, but you know, connecting with others that, you know, have have really wonderful listening and empathy skills. And, um, and then I try to kind of take care of myself the way I take care of my kids, right? Like I, I get comfy on the couch. I watch their Disney movies. I finally like saw the live action little mermaid when I had (gasps) strep throat the other week and finally saw it. Right. Like, yeah, so good. And so it's kind of showing myself, um, it's showing myself care by doing my best, like, hey, let me watch this movie. Sometimes I'll pause going to the mirror and checking on my throat. Like, let me have a drink of water. Let me do some breath work when it's accessible. If I'm not at a, you know, 10 out of 10, a lot of the times breathing in to the anxiety wherever it might be living in that moment um, has become a really helpful practice for me. So just a few different things like, and it's still hard, but it's like those micro bursts of 
easing into, you know, showing myself the care that I want to see um, mm. and feel is, it's a process, but. And emotional. Yeah. And there's a little bit of grief of, I have totally. to do this for me and, and at 36. Building that, at 36 yeah. I mean, I'm 40, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm 40, um, but feeling, feeling all of the feelings that come with that realization that you need to do this for yourself and want to do it for yourself, building that team, reaching out, being vulnerable, standing up to your providers and saying, I need to be heard. It's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard work and it's worth it. it. It is like, that's one of the things I did to show, because again, like I was taught to self-abandon, you know, mm. when you're sick, like knock it off, push through, like you're fine. Just, you know, be easygoing. And so like, when I most recently had to go in for care, I was just, I didn't sleep the night before. I was feeling triggered and nervous. Mm. And I was like, listen, I am feeling triggered and nervous. Like I just, like, I cannot have my blood pressure checked at the beginning of this visit right now, because that is one of the triggers for me, one of my medical triggers. And sharing that and just being open and honest about like, I have medical trauma. This is really hard. And people were mm. really comforting all of the healthcare. And it's not always like that, but that will is something I will draw off on in the future. So like if I'm getting crappy care, it's like, okay, I know where there's good care and I can go. Like if I need to, I I know I have an idea of where there's good care and I can be supported and use my voice. And yeah. Yeah. This is really interesting. Sometimes the things we think we're doing to be empowered are actually just keeping us stuck. Yeah. And it's more like exactly. that grippy control that we talk so much about. Right. I really like this. Whoever that client is, thank you. Yes, thank you. Like it really, I, you know how sometimes you just hear something on a certain day in a certain way and yep. it's like, yeah. it's an aha moment. And, you know, I don't, those don't always happen as much. I don't know if it's the craziness of life or the rigor or whatever it is, but mm -hmm. It was like a really valuable aha moment for me that, okay, this, this doesn't work to, this doesn't work as, as caring for myself. Yeah. It's like, it's too far the other way at the end of the spectrum. So maybe, you know, it'll resonate with somebody else and they'll hear that. And, and then just sort of, you know, what, what we see as caring for ourselves, it's always a little bit different for everybody. So for me, it's just that awareness, just knowing hey, this might not be the best way to care for myself. It just opens up like the opportunity for exploration into like, okay, what does genuine caring, not like that tight-gripped controlling yeah. caring look like? Hmm. Love this. Yeah. Well, that's all I wanted to share this tidbit. I just oh. wanted to share this tidbit. I love a tidbit. Would you like a dad joke? I'd love this a dad is, joke. This is what I have to contribute to this today because I'm just like, yes. I'm like, just, I'm nodding a lot, like reflecting, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's a dad joke I could give you today? Um, well, speaking of jokes, um, do you know the, the best, no, what, what's the joke I want to say here? I have one. Can I share one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I oh want to think of the way I want to say this one. Go ahead. Okay. Um, what do you call two octopuses that look the same? Uh, what? Identical. Stop it. You stop. That's because you have twins and I'm offended. I know. It's because I have twins. That's why I, I got to it. meet your twins. They are very ginger. And you looked straight into my face, into my cold, tiny, dead eyes. And you were like, 
they're not ginger, right? And I was like, are you kidding? I'm like, they're like, they're strawberry blonde. They're strawberry blonde like I'm strawberry blonde. (laughs) And if you've seen what I look like. Yeah, we both have like black hair. (laughs) Yes. No, they're full ginger, but they're they're very sweet and they're very cute. Well, part of the reason I asked that is And if you're very ginger, I'm sorry. That was rude. I love, I all, you know what it is? My entire family are gingers and I'm not. You shared this with me. Yes. I'm a, You're like I'm my whole deeply, family. Deeply jealous. But I, I just need you to know, like, they're beautiful, lovely ginger ch- children, but they are. But they're ginger. Well, part of the reason I asked is because, like, our whole family has been saying, oh, their hair's, and it does over the summer, but they're like, oh, their hair's barely ginger anymore. And it made me sad, you know? I'm like, oh. they're ginger. It was like, it was like confirmation, you know, because- They've always been ginger, and ginger is what makes them them. And I was like, "Are they ginger?" And you're like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Oh, thank God, Whew. they're still them." Oh, they're still my little oh, ginger. God. All right. Here's here's a dad joke. Let's see if I can pull it off. Okay. Um, the weather here is cooling down, as we know. It's heading into fall here in, in the Northeast, and I went to the mall to get a sweater, but my visa was declined. Yeah, I uh, I had to try the cardigan the card again cardigan Cardigan. and that's our show thank you so much for voting for american idol all right whose joke did you like better just tell us all right (laughs) we'll do okay erica we'll do a poll on instagram i still don't know exactly how to do it erica poll Uh, on instagram on monday yeah yeah yeah. the octopus joke or the mall joke all right all right so that's our episode thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and take a minute to write a review on iTunes so we can reach and support more people. If you're looking for one-on-one coaching or have a question you'd like answered on the show, please visit notanotheranxietyshow.com. Our show notes and transcripts are there as well. And until next time, remember, be kind to yourself. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTful15. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details details.